Welcome to Super Responders, the practical podcast helping us navigate difficult conversations about things that matter. I'm Molly, I'm the host, and I'm on a journey to build my toolkit to start calling out injustice where I see it and build confidence to have these hard conversations about things that matter. Whether it's about climate change, gender, racism, homophobia, change starts the conversation. This podcast is recorded on the stolen lands of the Ghana people. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging, and sovereignty of these lands has never been ceded. It always was and it always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to this episode of Super Responders, where we'll be talking about how to respond to some of the comments, assumptions and behaviours that can be really harmful for our neurologically different friends who are autistic. I'm having this discussion as a white, neurotypical, able-bodied, cisgendered woman in Australia, so this is going to frame my references and experiences, and I'm extremely delighted to be here with Orion Kelly. Are you happy to introduce yourself, Orion? I am. I'll have to have a few moments to unpack how you describe yourself. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to need to go through all those. Can you explain some of those to me? What, what does cisgendered mean? Sorry, can you, I'm not being, I'm not being uh, sarcastic. What does that mean? It means that I was born as a woman and identify yep. now as a woman. Okay. Okay. This, this is the point of this podcast, right? And have these conversations. So we're already having, exactly. having introduced myself. So yeah, so I'm Orion, <laughs> I'm autistic. Um, and look, I basically have a background in, in entertainment, in, in radio and media. And I do most of my stuff these days through um, an autistic lens as an advocate. And I have a YouTube channel, uh, Ryan Kelly, that autistic guy. And I do podcasts, uh, My Friend Autism and intensely inquisitive and i've also done a few podcasts for organizations like autism spectrum australia and the ndis commission so i guess i spend most of my time just creating a content excellent and it is amazing content and that's how i found you so thank you again so much for your time and for being on the podcast as usual we're going to be going through some of the comments and situations that we've heard before and trying to come up with ways in which we can call them out or turn them into a constructive conversation so i guess maybe as a neurologically different person or a ally so maybe we can jump straight in what i really would love to know is how do we actually talk about an autistic person is it or someone who is autistic are they or how help us probably the the preferred model um at the moment is not at the moment going forward is absolute and best practice is identity first so we want to talk we want to refer to people uh who are autistic as autistic people we don't want to refer to people who have autism or you know john has autism it's kind of like has a has a bag or has a pet. Do you know what I mean? You don't, you don't have a pet or a bag. You, you, you can take away my autism, but I'll be brain dead because my brain's gone. I mean, so the language is, is extremely important with regards to autism, autistic. So of course we can talk about the diagnosis as in let's talk about autism and that's fine. But if we want to talk about a person's experiences, then we want to talk about your experience as an autistic person, not as a person with autism. We know that it's just in the brain. You know, there isn't a look, there isn't a body type. And that's why there's so many other uh, language issues that I always 
try to talk to people about where people still just don't get what it is or how it manifests or how it's created. I don't even know if anyone even knows that having um, a neurological developmental disability is being autistic. I don't even know if people get that or understand that. So, you know, language is crazy important and believe it or not, the community alone can't even settle on this. Though I will say the autistic community, which means people who are autistic, are pretty much completely settled on it, where the autism community, which are the broader community of people who are not all autistic but have someone in their life, are absolutely at odds. This is the this is the kind of, I guess, the fight we're up against. So I guess whether it depends on the person, but essentially identity first is your preference. It's autistic people and um, it depended on the situation. I think, I mean, it's clearly my preference. I think the preference is... is these days more um, widely preferred by all autistic people. I mean, there are some, I, I guess, but it seems like the widespread preference. And I guess the point is people have decided that it's not something to be ashamed of or to hide from. It's something to embrace. And I, I think the, the, the idea that it's shameful or you should hide it or don't divulge it or disclose it is I'm a, I'm Orion and I have autism, you know, kind of thing, as opposed to hey, I'm autistic, you know. So I think that's the preference as well. It's a, it's an identity thing because it really is your identity though. Like how can you hide from your brain? If you like, if we if you actually have a brain that's wired differently, how can you hide from that? And it's the brain thing too is, is crazy interesting to me because we still know so little <laughs> about about the brain in in general terms, but from an autistic point of view, it's ridiculous. So I mean, it really is quite amazing. And some of the some of the arguments over the years, uh, I kind of find just so funny when they, back in the back in the day, you know, like a scientist I think in the fifties or sixties said that autism could be caused by refrigerator parents. He would basically call them that because he meant if your parents were cold to you in the, in the upbringing, you could become autistic. You, and refrigerator parents were an actual scientifically published way of getting. Now, just so everyone's clear, this is scientifically factual, not my opinion. The fact is you can only be born autistic you cannot acquire autism you are born autistic and you will die autistic yeah oh and i'm really glad that you covered the fact that there isn't a cure it is a neurological disability because i think in the conversations that i overhear the language that they use it, it is kind of like oh they must be getting better is that harmful as yeah. well oh, man. yeah it is it's really harmful and look there's a lot of things that that you've just brought up in, in my mind from experiences. So number one, I, I feel, because look at it like this, if autism is a neurological developmental disability, what that means is that you experience the world at potentially a hypersensitive level. And therefore, when there are more stresses in your life and then you go and experience the world at a hypersensitive level, you're already at a breaking point because of the stresses in your life and therefore the world is just too much. So if you're a kid, you know, you, you might not have as many uh, meltdowns or shutdowns, which is an autistic sense, not in just a kind of, I guess, like a throwaway line, uh, a, a meltdown and a shutdown 
are basically the same thing. The shutdown is when it becomes so intense, your brain literally reboots and you shut down. You, you're pretty much frozen and a meltdown is where instead of a reboot, you you pretty much, uh, I like to liken it to, you know, if you were having a seizure, it's uncontrollable. You know, parents judge an autistic kid having a meltdown in the supermarket, like you can just turn it off or be a parent. I mean, if if someone was having, an, a, uh, I guess, a seizure or a fit or something, no one would be judging them, right? It's not actually controllable. So the idea that it's going to get better is just not a fact. It's just not true. So language and words can be really important in making sure to support people's identity and self-worth. But what about saying using words like high functioning and low functioning? To say that I have high functioning autism is not only offensive, but it's, it, it, it's wrong in the respect that not only does it completely completely diminish and completely uh, dismiss my actual support needs, but it also devalues someone at the other end of the spectrum who has significantly higher support and care needs than me, right? Because, so hang on, you're saying that if I'm high functioning or if I have high functioning autism, which is wrong, that the, the, the man or woman, boy or girl who has low functioning autism, which is wrong, is somehow less of a human than me. Can you imagine if someone said you're low functioning? Like, so no, they're not low functioning. They're autistic and every autistic person is different. And I say this, I repeat this every time I talk to people, every autistic person has individual challenges and strengths and individual support and care needs. They exist for everyone but they're all individual. So some have high care needs, some have low care needs. This is a language I use, people, listen and learn. I'm not high functioning or low functioning. I'm low care needs or high care needs. Low support, high support, significant support, you know, minor support, but it's not functioning. So functioning labels are a real issue. And, you know, I've been typecast something that I'm not. I'm an autistic person, I have different levels needs, but it, it makes it harder. So it devalues either end. And that's why the spectrum is important, but people still think the autism spectrum is a line, is linear. Have you ever heard of a spectrum that's linear? Have you ever heard of a spectrum that's linear? You tell me. In my mind, honestly, I picture a straight spectrum, but that's not what a spectrum is. Now I'm thinking about it. It's of the colour wheel. It's not. When you yeah. <laughs> it's the colour wheel. Yeah. A spectrum is a colour wheel. It's, that's the only way of describing it. The, the colour wheel you might use if you're doing graphic design or whatever that has like, you know, it has a thousand different shades you know, and you're kind of moving it around that spectrum of colour, trying to find the colour you want. That is autism, except the colours are infinite. It's infinite colours. It's a big circular spectrum of infinite colours. That is the autism spectrum. It's not a bloody line where one end is high, one end is low, and there's like a middle ground and you can zoom up and down. No. So there's not a single person who is autistic that is the same as another autistic person, right? The, the, the old saying, you know, once you meet one person on the autism spectrum, you've met one person on the autism spectrum. Like that's one of the things you hear a lot of people say. And that's why I don't even know if I'm comfortable with saying Orion is on the spectrum. I, I think I've lost, I've lost comfort or trust in that phrase. I think Orion is autistic, it works, but I kind of think 
okay, so if I'm on the, like, let's say I'm on the spectrum, if I'm on the spectrum, does that mean I'm not on earth? Does that mean I'm not in, in the community? Does that mean that I'm not in real life? Like I'm not, I'm not on the spectrum. I think it's really good to understand your, the stance on, on the spectrum and understanding how that it's a weird terminology to use. And I'm trying to place myself in a conversation with someone that says, oh yeah, I think they're on the spectrum. It happens a lot, I reckon. Oh, I'm speaking from experience. People will say it, they use it very flippantly. They say that because people might be displaying, I don't know. Traits, maybe. Little traits and behaviours that maybe in some worlds they've associated with autism and comments saying like, oh, yeah, they're autistic or they're on the spectrum without a diagnosis or without knowing much about the person or just explaining trait. How do we respond to that? I don't think you need to press so much as you need to question the, I guess the intention of even that, even a statement like that. So, you know, if your friends are saying, Oh, I reckon, I reckon Johnny's, you know, that's the classic autism example. They're a completely non-relevant name. I reckon Johnny is on the spectrum, right? So it's for starters, it's like, okay. So what do you, what are you talking about? What, What do you mean? Johnny, you think Johnny is on the spectrum. So, okay. So number one, are you a medical healthcare practitioner? Do you have, are you qualified? Okay. Have you had any experience in diagnosing autistic people? And do you have any idea what autism even is? So why would you, if if you don't, and you know, you don't, why would you at any stage out loud say, basically, you know, informally diagnose someone as autistic. And I think people use on the spectrum because they think it's an easy way to get away with it. As in, if I go, I reckon John's autistic, that's hardcore. But if I go, you know, I reckon John's on the spectrum, it's kind of like almost like I'm getting away with saying something really mean. I basically, I'm basically, I'm basically, you're getting away with, I'm basically doing manslaughter instead of murder. Even though I murdered them, I'm getting manslaughter, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm getting away with getting away with a hard crime or doing the little crime. And, and also it's harmful. The idea that you can see the idea that you can, as a throwaway line label, anyone who you think is different to you must be on the spectrum or must be autistic. It's, it's harmful because in my mind, I look at like this. Okay. And let's, let's just generalize it. Not your friends, but let's just say, let's just say friends, friends find someone and they decide, you know what, that person, they're different to me. And in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable, one way or another, this person just doesn't click with me or makes me feel a bit weird or uncomfortable. And in saying that, well, then that, then that person must be the different one in a wrong way, as opposed to me, that person is the problem is, is then saying that they think their differences are in fact bad, not good. So to say, you know, your friends a little bit autistic or, you know, we're all a little bit autistic sometimes, or, you know, we're, we're all on the spectrum or whatever. It's harmful because you're saying we're different in a bad way or an odd way or a way that doesn't make you feel comfortable. And what that's saying is you think we're a category of subhumans that are born to make you feel comfortable. It's, it's my job to alter my entire genuine self to make sure that you remain comfortable. So, you know, there's, there's no worth there. And, and that's why it's made even worse when people go, you know, if you're different in a bad way, guess what? You must be autistic. Mm. I wonder if you, if, if you have the time and if you really want to turn this into a constructive conversation, 
maybe you can say, have a really frank conversation about it and say, this actually being autistic, it isn't a walk in the park. How do you think a person who is autistic feels about us saying things like that? Why can't people just say, you know, they, they think, uh, they think they're a bit different or they, you know, why can't people just say, well, I'm individual? Yeah, absolutely. One, uh, one last one that I've heard, it might be very topical, is a few people loving watching Love on the Spectrum because it's just so cute, you know. What's the harm there? It feels it sits wrong with me, but I haven't been able to say why or how do I correct someone when they're saying it's just so cute. The way you say that is literally all I need to hear or repeat. Just repeat what you just said and that's my answer. <laughs> Seriously, the way you said that, that people would actually just say, in, and by the way, it's the voice you're doing, you're putting on, but the voice you're doing conveys to me a level of patronising, right? It conveys to me um, a level of talking down to, as in uh, a dog, a pet, just, do you know what I mean? A baby, a child. Uh, so th- the thing about love on the spectrum, and I, I don't want to bore people here and, or get you in any trouble because I'm in enough, but y- if you've seen my YouTube channel, I've done uh, a review on every episode of season two. I've done a podcast on it. And w- what happened was as I started doing the reviews and I was just reviewing the episodes out of nowhere, uh, unsolicited cast members started contacting me directly and sharing me stories of their experiences. I was blown away. Like these are actual cast members. Like in my mind, they're kind of like celebrities, autistic celebrities. And I'm like, what are they messaging me for? And then I started to talk to them and read it. And it was like, oh my God, no one is talking about their experience on this show in a positive light. Like a lot of them had felt like they had really bad experiences. Now these are the autistic people that were the stars of this show. This is a worldwide smash. This is a show made in Australia and it's screened worldwide on Netflix. It's a moneymaker. Okay. Now keep in mind, this show is commissioned by the ABC taxpayer money. It's also funded by screen New South Wales taxpayer money and screen Australia taxpayer money. We are paying for a show to be made about autistic people. Great. That's good because that's, that's representation. My issue with the show is for it to get that reaction from your friends can only be a misrepresentation. (laughs) Trust me. If I went out in life and acted myself and one person said that about me, I'd be happy in my lifetime. No one has ever reacted to me in the real world like that. Uh, The complete opposite. I'm judged as a neurotypical person. So love on the spectrum, in my opinion, and you can look at my videos and my podcast, but basically from my point of view, I think it's a misrepresentation. And I think there's a lot of big issues that I've found. And keep in mind too, I didn't ask for this. It was unsolicited. I didn't expect it. I was ready to move on to the next video and now I can't escape it. It's just growing. It's a growing list of past and present cast members that are sharing negative experiences from my point of view and it's it's frustrating but from my point of view it's it comes across as a show designed for the entertainment of the mass neurotypical world at in my opinion the expense or exploitation of a disabled minority yeah so i mean 
a documentary would be fantastic because it would raise awareness. It would create a really constructive conversation, but that's not really what we have here with Love on the Spectrum. So, I mean, it starts a conversation, but not the conversation that potentially we should be having around something that is real and it just portrays it in a just really different light. And so just to someone saying that it is cute, I think we'd question that person, obviously. We'd say, do you think a neurological condition is cute? And telling them, uh, making them aware that 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 type of language is really condescending and maybe using that as maybe a platform to talk about, raise awareness about maybe um, the situation with the cast members and asking them, do they feel uncomfortable watching that and thinking about whether it was ethically ethical? And maybe, yeah, the consent versus reality conversation, I guess maybe it can be a gateway, someone saying it's cute, maybe calling them out can be a gateway to a wider conversation about. Yeah. I mean, isn't it, isn't it cute that as an autistic guy, you never know if someone is interested in you or likes you and therefore you're alone most of your life. Isn't that cute? You know, or wait till you wait till your friend provides um, a piece of insight or opinion down the track and go, mm, that's cute. What a cute opinion you have. You know what I mean? Because they're not going to take that well, right? They're going to think you're patronizing. Oh, well, that's, what you, that's what you said about love on the spectrum. What are you talking about? Uh, aren't your views cute? <laughs> aren't, don't you have cute opinions? I mean, they're not relevant because you're, you're as cute and, and irrelevant. You know? So I think it's not hard to, to, to highlight that kind of stuff to people. And, and it, isn't that so minimalistic? It's minimizing. This is a show about autistic people. And we're minimizing it down to, aren't they cute? And, and I always say this on the videos and podcasts, the exact reason why your friends like these autistic people and call them cute is the exact reason why your friends would alienate them and, and frankly reject them in real life. It's the same. It's exactly the same, but it's on a screen instead of to your face. So it's not cute, guys. If, if you watch any of my videos on my podcast, you'd know I get really angry about, uh, about what I'm learning from the experiences of cast members on this show, and there's nothing cute about it. It's, I'm really upset. And I'm, I, frankly, I'm upset that no one is jumping up and down but me. I can't believe what I'm reading and hearing, and no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Which brings me to our final topic. How can we be a good friend and ally to our autistic pals? I mean, I think there's a couple of things I always say. The first thing I'd say is, you know what? It's not your job to know everything about everything. Okay. And I understand that you have many things going on in your life. I'm talking about everyone, not just you, Molly. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> not your job to know everything about, about autism because I don't know everything about the things in your life. I always like to say to people, look, if you want to know stuff about autism, talk to an autistic person. So forget about, I understand people study and you know, they, they do masters and PhDs and all this kind of stuff. You can be a professor in the field and that's cool. You know a lot about stuff from a textbook point of view, but the number one go-to should always be an autistic voice. Get your experience from an autistic voice and then you can, you can nuance it and layer it with, you know, textbook stuff and, and, and experts. That's cool. But if you haven't lived as an autistic person, if you don't have lived experience, then all you are offering is a textbook insight. So it's, it's value. It's valuable. I'm not saying it's not value. I'm just saying um, we still don't understand the value of actual autistic voices. Uh, for example, on that, the show, right? I would sometimes there'll be a scene and I won't even try to muddy the waters. I'll just say to my wife, what do you think about that? I'm like, 
what do you feel about that scene that's just been on there? How, like, and I ask, I ask questions like, how do you think that helped create understanding of autistic people? Or how do you think that represented them? In that particular scene, what do, what do you think people got out of it? And how did that represent the autistic community? I, ask, I kind of try to ask questions that get your brain to explore it for yourself. And therefore it's not, I'm not putting it into your mind. And, and when I have those conversations, most of the time, the response that I'll get is exactly what I'm thinking, but in, in your own words, obviously, if you don't have, if you, if you don't have autism, <laughs> you're not autistic, it's, it's your responsibility to ask those questions as well. And you're never, you're never going to reach the level of an autistic person. And I think it's really important autistic people don't pressure family members or friends to know everything that they do because again you can't you have no lived experience of them being neurotypical so you know you don't it's not a blame game it's just about using opportunities to fill in the gaps and you do it as you go so I think it's really important that both sides the allies and the autistic people work together and just I just think it's better just bit by bit as things come up to fill in those gaps use your experiences and try to explain it which is what I do with my wife and my family and it's hard it takes time but it's really valuable because it's, it's the little things and then they start to realize and then they can help you so we talked about having if you're going to have a conversation about people that have autism you're going to involve them in the conversation have someone there with lived experience and if the effective tool of questioning, I love your example of watching Love on the Spectrum with your wife. And that's such an amazing tool and pausing it and saying, oh, how did that, how did that sit with you? When, what did you think about that? And using that as a tool to start discussion. I've learned so much. We will continue to work on it. We're all on a journey. It has just been my absolute pleasure to host you on the podcast. Thank you for sharing a lot of your life experience with me. Is there any? Is there anywhere our listeners can go to find more information? Where can they find? Where can they hear more of you? Well, yeah, no, it's been it's been a, a, a great time having a chat with you. An absolute pleasure, and it's always great to chat. So, thank you so much. I think the best way, easiest way, rather than kind of boring people, is just go to my website. So, um, orionkelly.com.au, O R I O N K E L L Y, because I got it. No, just y.com.au. <laughs> so, go to my website, and that has links to my YouTube channel, my podcast, and my blogs, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and you can kind of check out all the content that I, I do. Again, really appreciate speaking with you today and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Awesome. Anytime. Thank you. That has been another episode of Super Responders. Hopefully that's been helpful in your journey. And if you have any feedback or thoughts, please get in touch. You can visit the link in our bio on Instagram at Super Responders. And if you're finding the podcast helpful, uh, you might even want to go into Apple Podcasts and leave a review or just tell a friend. That's that. Good luck on your journey to becoming a super responder and we'll see you next time.